0: everybody. Uh, welcome to another installment of Innovation Crush. I'm your gracious host. I don't know what I'm gracious for. I guess I'm gracious for people just listening and taking their time out, you know, of a busy day. Uh, my name is Chris Denson. And uh, in case you haven't tuned in before, the show covers all things innovation, marketing, ideas, uh, really smart people doing really smart things in the marketplace. And today we have with us Motivational Poet. No, I'm kidding. Um,
1: <laughs> we just talked about that. We just talked
0: about that. You know, I had the notes and I still messed up. <laughs> (laughs) Erica Williams Simon, hello. Hello. How are you? Good. How are you? Great. I'm great now that you're here. Good. Um, I'm hungry. It's, I am too. So we, I'm sorry. We didn't have anything for you.
1: You should have. There's water okay.
0: there. The water is great. <laughs> um, you can drop like an astronaut pellet in there and it will. Do you have so, those? I, no, but you, they're available on, just on, on eBay. Okay. Yes. <laughs> uh, so uh, I am not that great at, you know, all the hubbub around you uh, because you're awesome. And my introductions never do anybody any justice. <laughs> so I would love for you to just give us the sort of 101 on Erica William Simon. Sure. Um,
1: I am a writer, speaker, and media maker that focuses on what I call the heart and soul of social change. Um, And basically that means I help people, particularly in this diverse, digital-driven world, um, figure out what it takes to actually make a difference in a tangible way. Um, I spent the bulk, and I'm sure we'll get into this, but I spent the bulk of my career kind of doing the strategy and the tools and the tactics, and I worked in Washington politics. Um, But I ultimately recognized that There were things that were more important that we need to discuss Mm -hmm. before we kind of Uh, spent all of our time and energy telling people how to use Twitter and how to get out and vote, which all of which is very important. Um, I thought there was a big basket of issues that no one was talking about. And that's kind of the values that really um, provide the foundation for us changing the world.
0: So it's the starting line before the starting line. Exactly. All right. Show's over. No, (laughs) (laughs) I am not politically savvy so, so much, but, um, but what I do like, you know, especially when we talked earlier was your focus on, you know, sort of engagement. Right. Like yeah. it is in and, and that starting line before the starting line concept is exactly that. Like, you know, a lot of people begin with the tactics or the or an assumption. Right. An mm-hmm. insight versus assumption is a, a conversation I've been in a lot lately. Um, but what are some of the assumptions, you know, of engagement, especially in, in the space that you, you play in?
1: Yeah, I think the the biggest assumption is that um, engagement is determined by the how. How do you get someone to click on something to get out and do something versus focusing first on the why? Why would someone what is kind of the core need that that a person would be trying to meet? Um, What is the value that motivates someone to do anything? Uh, And I think we spend way too much time figuring out, you know, I worked a lot with young people. That was kind of the primary demographic I was tasked with engaging when I was in D.C. Um, and, you know, I heard the craziest things, right? Like it was if, if you can just figure out how to get your the president of your organization on Vine, you'll get a million young people to get out <laughs> and vote for the issue that matters to them. Right. Um, and so there's just a lot of focus on on the physical stuff and not enough on um Really on the the theoretical and the spiritual side of change.
0: I'm going to jump in. Uh, jump ahead a little bit. Well, why can't Republicans get it right? Right? They, they try so many like uh, quote unquote cool tactics, and it's yeah. just like they come off ter- like they make great Daily Show content.
1: They do, and it's a perfect example because I think um, you know. And I hate to generalize. I know some Republicans who are lovely and who totally get young people. I don't know any Republicans. So. I know a handful. Um, I'm kidding. I, I you know, I keep them around just <laughs> just to be. Aware. Uh oh.
0: <laughs>
1: um, but but I think by and large, the kind of I will say the conservative movement um, hasn't really figured out kind of what it is that people want and are feeling. Um, the idea of community, the right. idea of talking more about what connects us rather than what divides us. Like they just kind of keep layering on crap on top of crap.
0: Right. It like, isn't it, you know, I look at the idea of an influencer, right? Like whoever's the early, like Ashton Kutcher and, mm-hmm. and Twitter, right? Like yep. it wasn't that cool until him and I think it was Puffy at the time. Like yeah. we're going neck and neck to see who can get to a million followers first. And then uh, I had had an account for almost two years before that happened. Right. And then, uh, but did you, did find, you use it
1: a lot Were you like super active or you just had me? I just had, you know, I,
0: the space I play and I'm like, I. Sign up. I signed up for LO. Like I'm like all right. I'm me too. I haven't used it. Yeah, me, me <laughs> I think I have like I don't even know what they're called. L I I had did I did one LO. Um They need to come up with the the verb. They need to verbalize it. Or yes, no, not verb verb. Come up with a verbify? verb for it. verbify.
1: <laughs> We just, there it, it is.
0: we just made one made one that's it's, the show is becoming innovative <laughs> uh, but no like it it, they, it seems like there hasn't been that key influencer who's the accessible person to like there's a generational gap right like a or yeah a cultural gap
1: I think there's a cultural gap if you're talking specifically about kind of what we consider traditional politics. Right. Um, but the idea of engagement, you know, I think it's such a vague term. What do we mean? Young people are actually engaged a lot in their communities. That's not just anecdotal, but data shows that young people are incredibly civic minded. They help out in their communities. They volunteer quite a bit. Um, they are social entrepreneurs, so they're try- constantly trying to figure out how do I match the idea of a bottom line with social impact. They are engaged. The question is, what are we asking them to engage in that they're not doing and why? Um, And maybe the answer is that what we're asking them to do is not particularly effective and it's not uh, particularly relevant to their needs and their values.
0: So kind of going back to the starting line before the starting line. I just made it up this the, like right then. So I, li- gonna I like it. it. I'm going to use uh, concede on your on your blog now. <laughs> um, no. So what what is that first step? Right. You talk about like, yes, we're asking them to do these things. We're trying to come up with tactics before we even get to the why of the whole situation. So what have you learned are some of those key touch points around, you know, meaningful engagement.
1: Yeah, I think you have to start with, uh, start where people are and kind of find out from them what are their needs, what are their concerns, what are their interests, again, beyond what are the tools they're using. Um, I'll give you a perfect example. So I worked a lot when I was in Washington with the quote unquote women's movement, right? Feminist organizations who um, focused on, generally speaking, the goal of getting equal rights for women uh, in all aspects of life. And one of the common refrains I heard over and over again was that young women just don't don't get it. They think, you know, we've already arrived and they don't get the, the value of fighting for women's rights and gender equality. Um, and, and so one day I invited a group of young women uh, to the office to talk with these quote unquote leaders, right? right? And kind of express what they care about, what's important to them. And at the end of the session, I asked the leaders, so what did you take away from that? And all they focused on was, okay, got it. We can get them to talk about abortion rights if we're cooler and get more celebrities. And I'm like, that's not what they said at all. (laughs) What the actual um, result was is that we heard that young women, they get how important those issues are. But really, the thing that's bothering them on a day to day is stuff like street harassment, which is like a concept that older generation of feminists. That wasn't an an issue. I don't mean it wasn't real to them.
0: Like construction workers whistling street harassment? Yeah, okay.
1: people whistling at them, saying inappropriate things. There's actually a really big, diverse movement right now happening online with women speaking up and speaking out and saying, no, this isn't OK. And it makes me uncomfortable. It makes me feel unsafe. Right. Um, and, and what can we do? And there's amazing digital activists who've come up with creative uh, responses to that. Um, but again, that's not just a new tactic. That's a new idea. That's a new issue that young women have said is really important to us and so yeah we are feminists and yeah we are engaging in the idea of gender equality but it may not look like you thought it would or right. like you expected it to
0: yeah that's great it's it's funny how generationally the concerns change right yes. you know there I don't know if you've seen the show blackish right? Yes. yeah yeah. <laughs> and there was one episode he was so concerned about his son's blackness and like the struggle and like and then the grandfather was chiming in and they were all like you know going through this uh, journey of who had what struggle and then yeah. he's like at the end of the episode it's like I, you know I finally get it for my son it's like nerd is a new black and he's just a geek right and yeah. which is also has its own sort of intricacies
1: it does I mean I think so that, that that's a difficult conversation right because so I'm of two minds actually I'm of one but I understand the other um, I have no mind so, so <laughs> pay mean, me none race I, I think is you know black is just a whole separate conversation sure of but course. but it's a perfect example of the kind of generational divide and how we talk about issues um, I, you know I believe that race is still critically important. All of the data shows that it's important when you look at the gaps between people of color and white people economically around employment, around, um, you know, violence, around education levels, like race matters. Um, I don't think we can pretend it doesn't. But I do think the language and the way we talk about it has changed uh, such that older generations may feel that young people don't get it and don't think race is important at all. And I don't think that's what they're saying. I think they're saying we look at it differently. Um, And it's important to have generations dialogue. But
0: I think now we, we also get, we're a surprised a lot more, right? Like if, you know, you look at the fifties and sixties, it was just blatantly everywhere. Right. And then, you know, you have an incident occur somebody tweets something out or like, and you're like, Oh my God. Like, it's like people's heads explode. And you're like, no, no, no it's, it's the, sa- the same problem is, you know, it's muted exact a little moment. bit. Um, and, or the same perceptions are there. And like, as much as we'd like to think we've progressed, we, we may have not.
1: Absolutely. We're just more PC now. Um, um, and I also think your level of shock varies based on where you fall on the economic ladder. Right. Um, you know, I think we we've seen with kind of all these conversations lately around Raven Simone and Pharrell and kind of these celebrities. She's talking like androgynous. About,
0: she has, she has you know, no country <laughs> <and> gender. <laughs>
1: I respect her, her right to self identify. Um, but again, I think it's a lot easier for her to do that when she's not being, you know, followed around by police and um, gunned down in the street. Like, Michael Brown, like, I think you have all these different dynamics at play. So the race conversation is a complicated one, but it's one that we have to have.
0: Not on this show, though. Well- no, I'm just, I you know, mean, I'm, if you want to no, I can no, no, I'm kidding. I'm kidding. <laughs> but
1: no that's not what I spend the bulk of my time doing but
0: no it's, it's, an, it's an interesting thing I was actually having a, I went to a creative conference a couple uh, weeks ago and I got into a conversation with a guy who's done a lot of work in Louisiana and at the time he was working for Red Bull and he had like a really big culture shock when he was like somebody he's a white guy and um, he was doing events for Red Bull in in uh, New Orleans and one of the promoters was like okay well let us know when you do the black knight and he's like, he's like what wait hey, you know I and, and so yeah. it was just he it was a lesson for him in terms of like that kind of separation that still happens um, but then we got in this conversation around how around prevention for incidents like Ferguson mm-hmm. right so mm-hmm. it's yes there's an incident happens everybody blows up again the shocking awe or shocking horror factor and then it's like there's an explosion Um as opposed to Putting systems and ideals or, you know, things or people in place to kind of be proactive in those situations, first responders of, you know, we joked and call it a peace mob, right? Mm -hmm, So, you know, are there any methods, uh, at least from your perspective, being knee deep in this uh, or deeper um, around prevention and ways to sort of curb some of this stuff before it happens?
1: Oh my God, there there are so many. And I think, you know, so my, my old work would really focus on, and a lot of my friends and former colleagues still do, focus on kind of the hardcore, on-the-ground strategy and organizing. Like, what are the campaigns that we need to build? What is the network and movement that needs to be built, both here in Ferguson and around the country? There are organizations like Dream Defenders who are doing that work, and they've got this army of young people, young people of color, who are just kind of... Let's not
0: prepared. use the word army. It's a little... Uh
1: no (laughs) sorry it's a little aggressive but it's I mean it's it's real no 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 no, young people who are ready to kind of fight for their rights Right. right um so I think that's that's a part of it. And there's a group of people who are much better equipped to talk about that than I am. My work really focuses on, um, you know, we get young people in this position to fight for their rights and give them all the tools and the resources, but forget to talk to them about, OK, what does it take? How do you deal with fear? Right. Like you, you, you are probably actually very afraid right now. And how right. do we deal with this and overcome this fear in order to make a difference and an impact? How do you deal with the idea of, um, you know, your relationship to money? Like that's a conversation that. No one ever has when we talk about social change. Mm-hmm. We expect young people to just go out here and volunteer 24 hours a day to change the world and, and not recognize that they live in a pretty jacked up economy. Right. Um, and More how like we, short change the world. Yeah, exactly. So, <laughs> so how do we talk about that? How do we right. talk about your relationship to money? How do we talk about that the foundation of all of this stuff, as fluffy as this is going to sound, is love? Right. Mm-hmm. And if you don't, and I say this all the time, if the work that you do isn't grounded in some deep form of love for people, you're going to have a problem. You're Going to get burned out, or you're going to get a little too far away from your initial goals and motivation. Um, so that's what my work focuses on now. Right. Why do you love what you do? Yeah. No, one. Oh, why do you? I love what I do? Um, I, I think it comes a lot from my, my background. So I grew up on the daughter of two pastors. So the beginning of my life was pretty much all about spirit and community service. Um, I had kind of a grand awakening when my father passed away when I was 16. And I saw all these people who came to talk to me and my mother and my sister. And they told us how my father um, and his work had changed their individual lives. But I was super frustrated that the overall community hasn't changed and the system hadn't changed. So I immediately decided I wanted to kind of be a part of changing the bigger picture system so people like my father wouldn't get burned out and kind of could see a change, a tangible change. So that's how I fell into politics. and when I was in politics, I then saw the alternative. I said, well, wait a minute, we're here and we're doing all these campaigns, but like no one's focusing on the other stuff, on the creative, on the spirit, on right. the storytelling. Um, so for me, I love what I do because it combines all of those things. It combines this idea of tangible transformation, making people's lives better, um, but doing it in a way that is authentic and soulful.
0: Um. I read that you speak on new generation leadership, storytelling, and relationship between personal and institutional change. Yes. All at the same time?
1: <laughs> I can if you want.
0: <laughs> um, kind of define that a little bit more, yeah. you know, in in, in in some Erica William Simon detail.
1: So the relationship between personal and transformational change. I, I kind of see there being two extremes right now in the marketplace right there's um, kind of this self-help self transformational you know yoga guru world that I completely respect um, but and that has done a fantastic job of telling people how to look at themselves and change themselves and evolve and be enlightened but a really bad job of telling them how to connect that to anything out in the real world how do you then use that to make a difference and then on the other side is the world that I came from which does a fantastic job at telling people how to build things and how to uh, fix things, but not the kind of person that you need to be to sustain that work. So I see myself as connecting those dots. What's the relationship between um, who you are on the inside, how you, you know, view life and the world and yourself? What's the relationship between that and making your neighborhood better and making your community better and solving kind of the major social crises of our day? Sure. Um, That's what I talk about. And
0: then the storytelling piece of that.
1: Yeah. Storytelling is really important, um, because it allows you, I mean, it's the way, same reason that we use stories to sell things. The same reason we love movies. The the idea of storytelling is just that it allows you to put a human face, um, on, on issues that are really big and really complicated. And it it provides kind of a compelling way of talking about things that matter. Um, so I, I train people on really, how do you communicate? How do you pull out the story, both of your life or of the issue that you're trying to work on? um, and tell it in a way that touches people and reaches people. I do that um, with Upworthy.com where our job is to basically find compelling digital media content, like content that tells stories of social change.
0: I know this great podcast that's... do pretty amazing you? does it tell great stories <laughs> i think so. well so far we'll see <laughs> um, no that's i mean that's great it, it, you know i it's funny enough i uh, i spoke recently on the idea of storytelling and evolution and what it means and especially like personalizing your experience and 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 the idea that a story actually doesn't form, especially for an an individual, it doesn't form until later, right? You have an early story, but then as you get older, like, you know, you go through your thirties crisis or whatever, and you're like, ah, what, you know, what am I doing? And then you start to see like these connective tissues and then you've gotten a story. Um, But then there's, you know, there's always the pitfalls and the potholes. Are are you a fan of editing in any way? Like when you, when someone tells a story, like what, you know, what what parts do you leave out?
1: Oh, absolutely. I mean, it's, it's necessary. I think it depends on what your goal is and who your audience is. Um, And I also think it's important, you know, storytelling for the sake of storytelling is is awesome, but that's kind of not what I do. I talk about telling the stories that will help you change the world. And so a lot of those aren't just about you. They're about finding, yes, your own personal story and your own path and your own journey, but then intelligently connecting that to a broader kind of cultural narrative or societal narrative.
0: give, Give me an example.
1: Um okay, so let's see. My, you know, my own relationship to the issue of uh, a race. Like, I talk about race a lot. Mm-hmm. I think it's super important. Um, and I'm able to talk about it based on my own story growing up kind of between two worlds, right? right. So Where'd I, you grow up? I grew up right outside of Washington, D.C. in Prince George's okay. County, Maryland. Yay, Peachy! oh um, You just
0: raised the roof. That's, I, I raised. I, it. I think that's the first roof raising on Innovation Crush. Oh, well, it's not going to be the last. <laughs> I'll do
1: it again. Um, but, I, you know, I grew up between two worlds, so I grew up going to predominantly white, um, either parochial or private schools, um, being kind of the person who was at that school that usually, you know, didn't have all of the, the wealth and the money and the new car. So in school, I felt very different. Right. Um, then at home, my parents were awesome about making sure that I was kind of steeped in the traditions of the African-American community. All my friends outside of school were black. Uh, My church was all black. So I had this kind of balance that was healthy and I think really helpful to me, but also (laughs) really hard Mm because it was I was bringing kind of a sensibility from both worlds in different places. And anyway, so it allowed me to really figure out what does it mean to be in this really diverse world? How do you kind of carry yourself? How do you see race when you don't just live in one place? Cause nobody does anymore. Like right. we, we, we exist kind of in all of these different realms. Um, and so that has a lot to do with how I see um other people's experiences sure. I don't think that they're all the same as mine but my story has allowed me to say you know what everybody's experience is totally different
0: was there an inciting incident because I, I grew up similarly right like you know um, my mom grew up in the projects in Detroit and then you know at 33 sent herself to school got two master's degrees blah 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 uh, which I was born when she was 33 uh-huh. uh, and I swam for 20 years you know so wow. black kids swimming and De- actually went swimming this morning so I'm so hungry um <laughs> Um, and I haven't eaten. So no, but it was like, I also had this sort of like, you know, seven mile on Grand River in Detroit and then go out to Birmingham for, you know, three, four times a week for swimming and then drive across, around the city and around the country for meets and stuff like that. Um, but I don't, it crafted me in a different way. Like it, this became a passion point for you in terms of your career growth. For me, it was I'm comfortable in most situations, yep, right? Like same. there's a, there's a very strong comfort level. I never feel out of place or if I do feel out of place, I'm okay with that. Mm-hmm. Um, what Was there an inciting incident or, you know, or was there something like a key piece of that early, you know, experience that kind of shaped who you are?
1: There wasn't an incident because like you, it, it ended up making me very comfortable in both places um, or in any places. But I think what really ended up shaping me was, hearing the questions of people in my neighborhood or at my church um, and the way they looked at me as a result of me being able to kind of go back and forth between these worlds. You're like Blade. You're like a daywalker. <laughs> well, and, and I think it was it was viewed in some way as right. kind of, you know, this lofty place where I didn't really see it like that. I'm like, this is who I am. And I don't think there's anything wrong with either world or either community. I think we have to kind of bridge the gaps. Um, but no, so there was no real inciting incident I actually you know I had a pretty easy time growing up um but it was just kind of listening. I, I'm a communicator. So I listen to a lot of people's conversations and then try to process it and figure out how to tell it to even more people. And that's kind right. of how, what I've always done. Um, so it wasn't really through my own experiences, but listening to the experiences of my peers who, who's were, they were very different than my own. Um, and that's what really shaped me.
0: I try to listen to people when I'm, when I'm doing the show, but usually I'm like, Come
1: here. <laughs> but not, after, I not tell after. my story. <laughs> me too.
0: Um, being fearless is a lovely idea, but being brave, is an immediate, bold decision. Um, I said that. I know there's a few amazing <laughs> quotes on your website, but this one kind of jumped out at me. I don't know why, but, uh, but what, can you translate it?
1: Yeah, I just, I get very tired of hearing the word fearless. We tell everyone, you know, be fearless, which means have no fear. And I think that's unrealistic. Fear is a very logical response to danger, uh, either real or perceived. Um, And I think if you in your own life can get to a point where you are afraid of nothing, that's awesome. I I haven't reached that yet. I think what's more important is is to figure out how to push past fear, how to do things that are brave, how to not let fear hold you back. Um, I don't want to spend all my days like digging out, you know, in my soul and figuring out why is there fear here? It's just a waste of my time. I'm fine with there being fear. Fear is a great motivator. It is. It is. I just, I'm not interested in getting rid of it. I'm interested in living my life through it and with it.
0: Right. Um, Do you find that most people make, like, where's the mistake or the disconnect? Because like you said, we all sort of have it. Some people succumb to it. Right. right. And then, you know, it's kind of like. When you drive down the street, you know your life could end at any moment, right? right. Just a a semi comes across the intersection, um, and then you're like, oh, well, but for some people, that's a stifling thing, right? Yeah. Like, it's like, okay, well, hi, let's Skype me.
1: We don't have
0: to meet a coffee bean.
1: I think it's, it's important to recognize fear because a lot of people, like you said, so that is an extreme example, right? Like, if of course, you're the yes, kind of person true. that's afraid to drive, you know it. Yes. You, you know that's a thing for you. Um, but a lot of us walk around and live in the world and don't recognize how how much of our daily behavior is shaped by fear, fear of something, fear of failure, fear of not making a lot of money, fear of being alone. Um, And I I think, again, those are natural fears, but it's important to recognize them and then say, oh, okay, that's what that is. Let me push past it.
0: Right, and you you still do some consulting and, and things like that. Yeah, I do. So, uh, business wise, when you walk into a room, you know what what can people expect?
1: Um, they can expect what they're hearing right now, which is me being completely authentic and telling you, look, I, I think it's awesome that you have have a lot of money and want to design a, a big campaign, but you're totally not ready for that. Let's let's start with figuring out what are the values of your campaign and what are the values of the audience that you're trying to engage. Um, and so, when I do kind of cause marketing consulting or campaign consulting that's what I get hired to do kind of do the deep dive look at what is it you're really trying to accomplish. Um, you know, I tell people, well, it's awesome that you want to run a campaign that engages young people, but have you forgotten that what's really important to them is transparency and accountability. So if you remain kind of the, the secret guy behind the curtain, this isn't going to work. So let's rethink the values of your, of your entire kind of project. So that's, that's the kind of advice, um, and, and strategic consulting that I provide. And
0: like, um, What do you want people to walk away from or walk away with after an encounter with you, either business-wise or personal?
1: Uh, Thinking about the deeper things, thinking uh, uh, about things that are below the surface below, you know, what you see and what you tend to buy and, and what you assume is going to be the easy way to solve a problem. And really thinking about the stuff that's on the inside, the stuff that may be uncomfortable to talk about, or we feel like we don't have time to talk about. I want people to walk away from a conversation with me recognizing actually that's what is important to talk about.
0: That's great. Um, When we were talking earlier, uh, just about like the root of again, going back to this idea of the root of engagement. And you talked a little bit about my, like an individual's everyday concerns versus like buying that Snickers, right? Like it's (laughs) it's like, I'm worried about X, Y, and Z. Can you kind of dive into that a little bit? just like, what are some of those like personal, you know, everyday individual issues that we tend to overlook?
1: Yeah. I mean, I think they're pretty basic. People want to feel safe, People want to um, feel connected to others. Uh, And again, I think a a lot of the issues that we see in our current political landscape are because they don't feel connected to certain people. So they want to push them away. Uh, So that's a kind of basic need that people have. People want um, to be able to live in an environment where they can thrive. And so anything that that hinders that is scary to them, which is why the economy continues to be a number one issue for people, because they feel like they can't thrive right now. Um, You know, basic human needs. And when we try to engage people in issues that don't clearly address those, we're going to have a hard time. That doesn't mean that there are, you know, issues aren't important if they're not immediate, but it means that, again, you have to kind of find what are those core values, right? So I talk a lot with people who are struggling to figure out how to get engaged people in the issue of climate change and the environment, Yeah, because most people feel like, okay, even, you know, I believe the scientists, I believe that it's real. But I'm not seeing the impact in my day to day life and I just don't have time for it. So how do you tell a story about the Earth changing? How do you tell a story about climate change that does touch people in the heart? You don't just talk about polar bears. You don't just talk about trees. You talk about people. You talk about air quality. You tell the stories of people who are actually getting sick on a day-to-day basis because of pollution. You tell the stories about green jobs and economic justice and how changing the environment and saving the environment can actually be better for your pocket and the economy. Um, these now are, you got me. Yeah. You, you, talk about, <laughs> you talk about real issues. My pockets.
0: <laughs> um, no, that I mean, that's, that, you hit the nail on the head. It's, again, just going back to the idea of storytelling, right? Like, who do you need to reach and what's important to them? Like, you can kind of wave the flag all day long but if yeah, if nobody is like us, uh, and, and the other part of it, though, I think is this idea like there are so many problems there are, or let me call them opportunities. Right? <laughs> there's, there, there's so many opportunities to change the world, as you put it. And, you know, sometimes I go to a summit or, you know, and I, I meet 50 people all with very different issues that they're trying to solve and, and it becomes overwhelming, right? And then it yeah. becomes like almost stagnation by, by you know, or paralyzation by choice. Yeah. <laughs> um, is, I don't know, like is there a solution for that? It's just be it, because it can feel, especially when you're talking about cause marketing and things that need to change, it can be weighty. Yeah. Um. So how do you, like is there a method by which, you know, A, just to funnel it down <laughs> to, you know, a couple of things yeah. or B, like Turn them more into feel-good stories, you know.
1: I think you you can, although some things just don't feel good. I mean, there's some issues that will never be feel-good stories. But they said but the ocean they're... was 71 degrees. So. <laughs> okay, that's okay. Which is um, scary, um, scary, but, scary, but, but comfortable. Yeah. Um, <laughs> yeah, some, some things you can make feel good. I, I don't know that it's about feeling good. I think it's about um, making people feel empowered making people feel that um, they can make a difference. Yes, the issues are massive and there are a lot of them. Uh, But if you kind of focus in on either what matters to you or something that you feel like um, taps into your own innate talent or interest, I think that's a good place to start. And if you can make people feel like, even if the impact is small or even if you can't see it, you actually have the power to make a difference. Um, I I think we can. That's collectively exactly what we'll do. We'll make a difference. Um, And again, that goes back to telling the stories of social change. Um, I think this generational divide, not to get back to that, but we talked about that a little bit. This generational divide that we have, um, you know, one of the, the consequences is that Our generation, younger people haven't really heard or seen examples of social change work being effective in our generation. We we kind of always go back to people always tell us, well, don't forget the civil rights movement, which is awesome and important and amazing. But there are many stories, communities around not just the country, but the world where people came together and made a difference last year, two Mm. years ago, three years ago. Uh, We need to elevate those stories so that people can understand This isn't just some kind of rose-colored dream of a time gone by when people coming together can make a difference. It happens on a day-to-day basis.
0: That's awesome. Um, You've gotten a lot of accolades. Uh, That's what they they
1: do in Washington. Instead of paying you more, they give you (laughs) Like,
0: here's a trophy. No, 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 wait. I told you I couldn't pay my rent. (laughs) Yeah, but get,
1: put the trophy on eBay.
0: <laughs> eBay came up <laughs> twice today. Um, but NAACP is 40 under 40. Um, the advisor or speaker at the World Economic Forum. Top 50 politicos. You know, I can't even win a, a podcast award. <laughs> oh.
1: um,
0: right, Maria? No,
1: See? That's, that's Hands really in the air. Really
0: sad. <laughs> 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 I'm going to try, though. Good. W- it's, uh, it's a long story. Um, but what does, what does all the praise or yes or the appreciation do for you personally like does it you know when that happens like what what is the process like for you internally uh
1: now nothing and i'm being totally honest about that when i was you know 23 and the youngest person on a list and everyone was saying that's so amazing um you know it it felt really good i can't pretend it feels good to be acknowledged for your work or or in your field um But it doesn't really matter. Uh, You know, I think, let let me say this. If I had the type of career where I was applying for jobs on a regular basis, you know, there are very tangible benefits of of being awarded and recognized, right? Like you can ask for a higher salary or, you know, a bigger title. But that's not really the type of work that I do. I work for myself. Um, So I'm not really interested in that. And I think if anything, the accolades and awards allow me a bigger platform to talk about the things that matter and to talk about, to direct the spotlight onto other people who aren't getting awarded but should be.
0: Is there, was there, at that younger time or when you were bridging the gap, was there, uh, was there like ever an ego check for you or was it, you know?
1: <laughs> so my boyfriend at the time, who's now my husband, has always been an ego check for me. His name is Achilles, <laughs> right? No, I'm No. <laughs> Aww, don't
0: make fun of him. I'm sorry. He
1: ruptured his Achilles, <laughs> yes. but he's healed now. Oh, good. and, and strong. No pun intended. <laughs> no pun intended. <laughs> um, he's always been, his name is Allende, he's always been um, an ego check for me. Like, super supportive, but also a reminder that, like, eh, you know, that's that's really cool, but you're still just E. That's what he calls right. me E. Um, so I've always had people in my life who just kind of, and, I mean, I, I, you know, you read the bio. It's awesome. It's amazing. It sounds flashy. But we're not talking about, like, Academy Awards here. Like, I have won the Nobel Peace Prize. These are, you know, beautiful, wonderful recognitions for work that I did to try to make the world a better place. Yes. Um, but I don't, I don't think they're that big.
0: Well, I, th- I think at the end of the day, it, it makes people pay attention, right? Like, yeah. you have an audience that you're trying to reach, both business-wise and just developing the, you know, the e-community. Um, <laughs> like and, and then you, you can have it. Um, but, no, it's like... It, like it, it it does that and you're like keeping it in check is like that exact thing. Like having a checks and balances person to, you know, to kind of check that at the door right. and, and get in here and wash these dishes. <laughs> <Or> like, <laughs> there was a, no, there was a really interesting interview I read. Uh, What's the CEO of Pepsi's name? The, the woman. Uh, in, uh,
1: in, I'm going to pronounce it wrong, but Indra yes. Nuri.
0: Yeah, let's go with that. That's, um, <laughs> that's a really bad pronunciation, but I know who she Yeah, is. yeah. No, she's awesome. And But she was reading this, you know, the article was, it was matter of fact, it was, uh, um, anyway, the, the, she talked a little bit about um, her life balance, her work-life balance, and like being the CEO. CEO and doing, you know, coming home at 10 o'clock and also having a husband and a family. Mm-hmm. And like, you know, she said when she first got the promotion to CEO and she found out she came in and told her mom and her mom was like, that's great, but we need some milk. Yeah. Like, I
1: that. <laughs> She talked about that on stage at some conference. I remember.
0: Yes. Uh, Aspen Ideas yep. Festival. Yep. So uh, no, that's also on your resume. <laughs> um, what do you do when you're not working? Like what's, what's, the, what's downtime like for you? Cause this, this seems like a 24 seven thing, right? Yeah. Like
1: kind of is. Especially
0: if you're working for yourself.
1: Yeah, which is why I moved to L.A., um, to be totally honest. L.A. has much more of a a slower pace. Right. Um, I just took a picture the other day where I said I was looking for a place to write. I'm on deadline. I have something due on Monday. Oh, today. And... um, rather than sit at my desk, I decided to go to the beach and, and work from there, which allowed me the flexibility to just hop in the ocean when I finished. Um, so I love nature. That's a new thing for me. I did not grow, grow up, loving nature, right. I love it now. So I hike a lot. Um, I grew up in a very musical family. So music is my obsession and my passion. I used to be the musical director at my church. So I oh, sing. I have a tambourine the in the, uh, in my bag. You know, a tambourine is a very churchified. <laughs> 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 I can work a tambourine. Yeah. <laughs> um, but yes, yeah, so 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 music. And then I I hang out with friends. Um, I spend a lot of time with my family. I fly a lot. So every chance I get, I try to uh, schedule a stop back home in D.C. to see my family. Um, Yeah. Normal stuff. Uh, Normal stuff.
0: Um, You're also on the steering committee for an organization called Heart Your Neighbor or the host committee. Yes. Um, Tell us a little bit about that. Yeah. And why was I at a barn dance?
1: Okay, so there was a bond there.
0: <laughs> Which so, made me nervous, by the way. You know, when, uh, if you've ever seen 12 Years a Slave, you get invited to yeah. to something. I'm like, am I going to come back Are you going to make it out? Um,
1: uh, so Love Your Neighbor or Heart YN is a company. My husband is actually one of the uh, lead photographers for them. So he helps them cu- create digital content. And the idea of Love Your Neighbor is basically it's a social media community um, here in California, focused exclusively in California right now on... Encouraging people to love their neighbors and connect with one another, and um, there are a couple different components. One is the digital content that my husband works on. Um, the other is that they're actually building kind of uh, fundraising communities where people can like meet someone's need immediately in their community or in That's the state awesome. of California. Um, they do a lot of work around criminal justice, so the idea is basically how can we as a state in California love one another more and what are the tangible, easy ways that we can do that? Um, and so my friend, Megan Carberry, is the CEO of that company and invited me to kind of join. We used to work together back in our D.C. politics days on around uh, voter engagement. And so she said, hey, can you join us and help us get people to this barn dance, which was the launch right. uh, at um uh, a barn, basically, in San Miguel, California. Yep. But beautiful, massive barn. Um, it was a fun weekend. I rode an ATV. I sprained my knee. I, I did a lot. It you was
0: know, just racking up injuries.
1: Yeah, all for the sake of loving my neighbor. <laughs> <laughs>
0: um, so... Uh you know the show is called Innovation Crush. I, would I hope. do. I do. Good. I mean, you just Good. told me so. No, 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 you know, no. <laughs> you're Like, oh, I thought I thought this was... <laughs> um, so What 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 do you see out in the world right now that you're crushing on? Like, is there something that you go, wow? It doesn't have to be in your space. It might be food. It might be something else. Or you know, <laughs> as your eyes light well, up, and, we're both food. hungry. Just like mm! both.
1: I love food, and I would love food right now. <laughs> um, what do I think is really interesting right now? Um... Well, I mentioned it kind of is in my space. And I don't know. I just I'm I crush a lot on young people who do amazing things in the world. And Dream Defenders, the organization I was telling you about, um, I just think they're amazing. They're like this perfect example of what it looks like when young people get fired up about something and you know they want the support of their elders and they respect their elders but also are like look we're doing it our way and they're um, kind of starting programs and campaigns all over the country so I've got a huge crush on them Um, what else yeah I don't think this is new, but it was very new to me. I had my first cronut the other day. Oh
0: no, that's crushable. Yeah, crushable. 100% I don't know if, you know. I'm
1: sure someone will be innovating on that soon, and there'll be something else. But for me, it was pretty game changing.
0: you ever had a cronut?
1: Oh yeah. Mm-hmm.
0: So, <laughs> oh, 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 I go nuts for cronuts.
1: <laughs> pretty, pretty awesome.
0: I just made that up too. Man, I'm on fire today. Thank you. I feel your your energy. Good. Um, uh, I normally don't ask this kind of question, but uh, as a person who kind of gives advice for a living of sorts, um, what's the best advice you've ever gotten?
1: Mm. What is the that's a That's a really hard question because I've gotten a lot of advice in my life. Uh, I would say. Don't go on that podcast show. <laughs> I got that, but I, I just I ignored <laughs> it and came anyway. Um well, I would, the best advice is probably the advice that I've heard the most often uh, is from my mother, who I'm actually on my way to the airport to pick up, she's oh. coming to visit me. But ever since I was a little girl, the thing she told me was, nothing matters more than your integrity. Um, and she really meant that. She was the kind of parent. Uh, my father was the parent who thought I was going to be a star. Um, and I loved that. You are a star. Yeah. Well, I don't know about they that. They were both but, right. <laughs> but he, for him, it was like, you know, he, he wanted me, you know, character mattered, of course. He was a preacher and he cared about spirit and God. Right. But he, he liked the flashy stuff. He put, right. it, me, put me in the talent shows. And my mother was the calm one. She was very much like, I don't care, win or lose. I just want you to have integrity. And she kind of reminded me every day, at every point in my life. Um, and I think about that a lot now when opportunities present themselves where I could, you know, cut corners or prioritize this over character, or over values, or over integrity. And I'm constantly reminded integrity wins in the end every single time.
0: Hmm. That's awesome. I'm going gonna, I'm gonna to use that. <laughs> I haven't used my integrity in so long. <laughs> <laughs> um, finish this phrase for me, please. Innovation to me is...
1: Innovation to me is finding better ways of doing things. Doesn't have to be new, just better, better than what's being done currently.
0: As we've witnessed in the donut. Yes. It has now become the cronut. Exactly. Um, This is awesome.
1: Thank you. It was Thank fun. You. A lot of fun.
0: Was it? Good. It was. You smiled. I was like, okay, good. I, wait, I I'm doing something right I smile right. all the time. <laughs> That's genius. That's <laughs> uh, I don't because this tooth over here is kind of <laughs> snaggly. Um, so, everybody, this has been another installment of Innovation Crush. Uh, where can people find you?
1: They can find me uh, on my website at www. D- who says www anymore?
0: A lot of people still do. I, I should. I, I, I start HTTP. <laughs>
1: You can find me at ericawilliams.com. That's E R I C A Williams.com. You can find me on Twitter and Instagram at Created by Erica.
0: All right. And now you're going to do a musical performance for us, correct? Once the mic is off. Okay. All right. Uh, No, everybody, thank you so much for tuning in, and we will talk to you next time.